Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. My sweet and tender loves, I have an excellent question for you today from Sisant. Sisant says, I wondered if there was anything in my chart pointing towards my gender identity. I identify as a trans boy and use they, he pronouns. Over the last two years, I've been coming to terms with my gender identity, but it was such a struggle coming out to my family and friends, and it was one of the reasons I dropped out of med school. I know I'm trans, and I'm slowly becoming proud of that fact. There are so many trans icons also, but I wondered if there was anything in my chart about questions over gender or the struggle with coming to terms with it. Yours, Sisant. And Sisant was born March 30, 1996 at 3.10 a.m. in Birmingham, England. So the answer is layered because what is gender? You know, let's start with that. What is gender? Is gender about external presentation? Is gender about a feeling? Is gender something that we can read outside of the context of the time and culture that we live in? I don't know. Because ultimately, gender is a construct. Now, that's not the only thing that's true. And this is where it gets really complicated for most of us, unless we have like super easy binary genders that fit easily into the world that we are inhabiting. When I look to the question of gender, it has so much to do with so many layers, so many layers of being. Many of the things that I see as associated with gender queerness, being non-binary, or being in transition, so not having transition to a destination, but being in transition with one's gender, those very same things may not actually manifest as a gender issue or gender presentation for someone else. So it's not a written in stone thing. And I also think there's something a little bit tricky about seeking to read gender queerness or transness or homosexuality or queerness in the birth chart, unless you are also endeavoring to read heterosexuality, uh, binary genders. Now, the truth of the matter is most of us experience fluidity within our gender. Not all of us, for sure. But most of us have complex layers of how we experience our gender. And we don't always express our gender in complex, nuanced ways. We generally fall into line with the way we're supposed to be. But the reality is gender is complicated and it's intensely personal. When I look to your birth chart, Sisant, by the way, what a clever name you've used. There's a lot of things that I see that speak to this issue for you. Now, the first is what I expected to see based on the way you've worded your question, which is that you have Neptune in the first house. And Neptune in the first house generally indicates that the way that people perceive you, what they see when they look at you, is not consistent with how you feel. And so a lot of times when people have this placement, they have the sense of being born to the wrong body, in the wrong time, in the wrong place. It's a sense of dysphoria. And that is actually quite Uh, normal of Neptune in the first house. Now, it doesn't have to articulate itself around gender and gender embodiment, but 
It often does for people. It often doesn't, but it often does. It is related to dysphoric feelings. Now, because you have Uranus sitting out of sign, but right on top of your Neptune, again, in the first house, and it's all quite close to your ascendant. Neptune is conjunct your ascendant. Uranus is not. What this does is it creates a dynamic where you feel compelled to embody it. You feel compelled to confront this issue. Neptune on its own is not a compulsive energy. So in other words, there's this part of you that would like to just not have to deal with this, to let people think what they want and to just be yourself. However, that Uranus being so close to your Neptune indicates that your nervous system doesn't allow you peace when you feel that people don't see you as you are, when you feel restless around your own identity or the embodiment of your identity. Because so much of what happens in the first house of the birth chart is related to embodiment and what's embodied on the surface. Now, you also have a Jupiter conjunction to the ascendant. So whether or not you're comfortable with it, and I don't imagine that you always are, you take up a lot of space. People notice you. Jupiter on the rise often will give you some sort of physical characteristic, actually, that makes you stand out. Maybe you're really tall. I don't know what it is. It's generally, there's a way that we have a bigness about us when we have Jupiter conjunct the ascendant. To make matters more complicated, you have a stellium. You've got, uh, in total, six planets in the first house and two signs intercept your first house. Now I should be clear, I'm using Campanus house systems and Campanus houses gives you a lot of interceptions and a lot of wonky houses. And I like Campanus houses because of the interceptions, my passion for interceptions. And this is a quick little astrology aside. Okay. My passion for interceptions is because I believe that the value of being able to see the more nuanced details that interceptions describe is so helpful when trying to understand yourself, what really drives you, and even to understand your early developmental conditions and experiences. Now, you have Aquarius and Pisces both intercept your first house. What that indicates is that anywhere from a year before you were born until you were about seven years old, there was a lot of pressure to not stand out. There was a lot of pressure to be nice and to be chill, to not need too much, to not want too much, and to not be too different. On top of it, to be uh, self-contained emotionally, right? So that self-containment, that emotional self-containment is because of the Pisces intercept the first. And the don't stand out, don't be too weird, don't be too much, that's because of the Aquarius interception. Now, what I haven't yet named, Saturn is conjunct Mars. Now, Saturn's in Pisces, Mars is in Aries. And also, Mars is conjunct the Sun and Mercury, all in Aries. So you've got a lot going on here. So yes, Aries energy is associated traditionally with maleness, right? Mars also is, you know, it's the little man symbol. That's It's a symbol that's conventionally used to signify men, right? So there's a lot of indication here towards masculinity. Now, I don't necessarily think the embodiment of masculinity has to equal male. I would say that high femme gender has a lot of maleness to it, has a lot of masculine energy to it, and that is a very feminine gender. That said, when you wrote in and I looked at your birth chart, I was not surprised that your experience of your gender and what you're growing into is transmasculinity. 
because you have Saturn conjunction to Mars, it indicates a pull towards the binary of gender because Saturn is so rigid and Mars is maleness, or it's like a traditional form of maleness. And so what I think is really important to acknowledge is that there are layers to your gender experience and expression. And one layer is what is authentic to you, how you feel in your innermost self. When you're sitting alone with yourself in bed, about to fall asleep, the self that you're left with, you, right? That part of you may feel male-identified, and it may feel more non-binary. It might feel more trans specifically. And then there's other parts of you. And when we look to the Saturn piece, and even when we look to the Jupiter conjunction to the ascendant in Capricorn, what we see an indication of is a desire to move through the world without being noticed all the damn time, without having to deal with other people all the damn time. I think that that's really real and it's really valid. You may feel ultimately like you are not trying to attract a whole lot of attention, that you are not trying to be known for your gender identity or your gender transition specifically. And that Saturn stuff and that Capricorn stuff has a desire to be, you know, binary because it's easier. Not easier as a person, not easier as a soul, but easier in the context of society. And I want to just take another quick aside to acknowledge being trans, being non-binary, being gay, being queer. None of those things are hard. They're only hard in the context of other people making it hard for you, okay? And it's really important that if you're listening to this and you are none of those things, or you're one of those things but not another of those things, to really consider that and make sure that you are not intentionally or unintentionally making it harder for others to live their damn lives and to be true to themselves. And then when I look to you, Sism, I want to say, don't make it harder on yourself than it needs to be. In other words, if someone's not going to accept you for who you are, then they're not going to accept you for who you are. And that is what's wrong with them. It's not what's wrong with you. And it is your heartbreak to bear. It is your struggle to bear. But it's also not exactly your problem. If family will reject you, which honestly is always a risk with queer stuff. It's always a risk. But if family is going to reject you, then they're not really accepting you now when you're giving them what they think they want from you. And if limiting yourself, limiting your self-expression, limiting the fullness of who you are is what holds on to friendships. Well, that's not awesome. That's not awesome. You know, I really love it that you named in your question that there are so many amazing trans icons out there. But the problem with just naming that is icons are, you know, somewhat archetypal. They're like ideals. They're out of reach. There are tons of amazing trans icons but there's also just tons of amazing trans people who are just living their damn lives, going around. Maybe they're not being remarkable. And those people are awesome. I don't know. Some of them might be assholes. Just because you're trans doesn't mean you're amazing. That's cool. <laughs> you know, people are people. Let's not idealize each other or ourselves. You are allowed to be messy and complicated. You are allowed to be of many minds about something. You are allowed, and in fact, I want to encourage you to struggle with and against your internalized transphobia and to know that 
by engaging in this process, you can come to greater self-acceptance. You know, you don't have to be an icon to be amazing and to be valid at all. And it's also great to have those people around. But you may know trans people right now and not realize that you know trans people because not everyone is out and not everybody is clockable. I don't know, but neither do you. Neither do you. So this is something to consider. Now, I want to speak to the part where you dropped out of med school, and I want to encourage you to consider reconsidering. Now, I don't know. Maybe you dropped out of med school for completely unrelated reasons. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to drop out of med school um, that have nothing to do with your gender. But I want to say, and this is not your job at all, but I want to say we need more trans doctors. Holy crap, do we need more trans doctors? We need more trans doctors and politicians and teachers and therapists and I don't know, foot masseuses, get me a trans gynecologist. You know, there's no reason that your gender should stop you, regardless of what your gender is, should stop you from living the life you want to live. And in fact, by being willing to take up space from a place of self-acceptance, not only does it make your life easier and better, but it actually supports others unintentionally, maybe, but it supports others in doing the same. And it's okay if it's a slow process. It's okay if it takes you a long time to come to self-acceptance. It is hard to accept yourself. I think the important part is allowing yourself to embody the struggle, allowing yourself to embrace who you actually are, and then to take the steps to figure out how to honor that around other people and how to understand that when other people cannot or will not honor that in you, that is a reflection on them. It's not a good one either, but it is a reflection on them and it is not a reflection on you. The key is understanding that the same generosity, kindness, and consideration that I see that you organically offer to others, you are deserving of it too. And when you or me or your mom or your friend from high school is unable to offer kindness and empathy and consideration to others, it's because we can't give it to ourselves. It comes from a place of pain. And that doesn't mean you need to tolerate it, and it doesn't mean you need to accept it, and it doesn't need, mean you need to take care of someone else around it, but it does mean it's not as personal as you may think. And this isn't going to help you on a societal level, but on a personal level, on a psychological level, emotionally, and even spiritually, this is an important thing to be able to accept and even embrace. People are fucked up. You're fucked up. I'm fucked up, for sure. Lots of people are fucked up. If you can give yourself permission to not waste this precious time you have in this life, prioritizing the needs of people who may or may not act from a wounded place and be cruel to you around the truth of who you are, but instead strive to embrace yourself. And if you find that you're in an environment that is not safe to prioritize your safety, of course, but to be able to do that, I think is really freeing. I think it's really freeing. Now, I want to say one more word here. Sezent. You're 23 years old and you're doing great, honestly. When I look at what was going on for you in 2019, you were going through a bunch of Saturn transits, 2018, 2019, which has been confronting you with your identity. It's been confronting you with who you are and who you're not. And it has been hard. <laughs> it's been hard to recognize who you are and to see that it means that you don't completely fit into parts of society that maybe you want to 
that you don't fit into other people's ideas of who you, quote, should be or who they expect you to be, and that that's hard. But I also see that you have really expanded to meet yourself. Now, you haven't fully given yourself permission to embody that around certain people. But the good news is, as you cultivate greater self-acceptance, there's this weird thing that comes with self-acceptance. It's courage. Don't forget the, the roots of the word courage is cœur. It's the heart. It's taking heart. So when we have self-acceptance, we start to develop greater heart. And, and when we take that heart and we act from that heart, we are able to be slightly more brave. And that bravery will allow you to move through the world. And I'm not saying everything's going to be roses and easy, but I am saying that I actually think you're going to have a beautiful life. You have all the components here to have a beautiful life, and you also have a lot of components to make your life pretty hard on yourself by overthinking things and trying to be all things to all people. And it's, you know, it's what a lot of people do. Uh, it's not what you have to do. The good news I have for you is in 2020 and in 2021, Pluto is forming a trine to your natal Venus. It's also forming a trine to your midheaven. There is great potential for you to expand into yourself, to orient your life and your personal relationships in a way that actually allows you to be more whole. And that means more messy. And that means being able to have more conflict with people in a way that doesn't have to destroy you or them. Conflict is not a bad thing. What is a bad thing is being abusive or cruel. Now, sometimes when someone is honest with you and you have conflict with them, it kind of feels cruel. But cruelty is a lot to do with intent and it's a lot to do with the humility of the action or the humility behind the action. Because you're going through Pluto transits, there may be some conflict in your life. That's true. But I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, you're going to worry about it. You're going to worry about it because worrying is something you're very good at. However, the conflict in your life is actually worth showing up for and not being accommodating when what you need to do is be authentic. That's going to be the work. And that might look like tolerating that some people are hurt or confused or they are not educated. Sometimes people say things that are hurtful because they're trying to be hurtful. Sometimes they're too selfish to see that they're being hurtful. And sometimes they're just unaware. They don't know. And it is important that you protect yourself and you take care of yourself, but also to have some measure of tolerance for the people that you love and that you're invested in to kind of catch up with you because you've been coping with your gender identity probably for years. But if you haven't been sharing that with them, this is going to be new to them. It's like a, you know, a delicate balance of giving people the space to come around because they haven't had as much time as you have. And it's also about having healthy boundaries for yourself with others so that you're not exposing yourself to a bunch of bullshit from people who are supposed to love and support you, right? It's a delicate balance. Now, my dear, one last thing. I think that coming to terms with your gender is what you're already doing. I think coming to a place of self-acceptance with your gender is something you're already doing. And also, it is a lifetime practice. And I think that's absolutely true for all trans people and for all non-binary people. But I also think it's true for cis people. Gender is not a static point. It's something that shifts and it expands 
and it contracts. And that's just part of being alive. And some people aren't consciously aware of it and they don't use that language, but that's just part of the human experience. You know, it really is. And so giving yourself the latitude to be in process with your gender and to have highs and lows and ebbs and flows with your gender, this is actually a very kind thing to do for yourself. Now, I hope this answers your question without getting too technical about how to read trans or non-binary stuff in the birth chart, because again, I don't know that it's the most useful thing to be able to do. What's important is that you accept you, your chart, your gender, your personality, your preferences, all of it, because you deserve to be embraced and you deserve to be loved. And yeah, some of that is a damn inside job, my dear. Some of that is an inside job. Puppies and kittens, there's so much to say about this week's horoscope. Let's just dive right in. We are looking at the week of January 19th through the 25th of 2020. Uh, And there's a lot going on, including a new moon, a new moon in Aquarius. It's a beautiful thing. On the 22nd, the sun will be forming an exact square to Uranus. You will be feeling this on the 21st and 23rd, but it is at its kind of peak on the 22nd. And that's a sun square to Uranus. And whenever we have squares from really any planet to Uranus, we can expect the unexpected. This transit will stimulate your nervous system and make you feel restless or excited or just kind of tweaked out, I guess is the best way to put it. Sun square to Uranus can be a time that is upsetting where something is revealed or shown to you that you weren't expecting or that in some way disrupts your plans, your identity, your vision or version of something. This isn't a bad or a good thing. Disruption, upsets, these words are really branded. Uh, These words are both things that people either have a really positive or a really negative association with. But at their core, they're not positive or negative in my perspective. What they are is simply actions. Disruption and upsets both allow room for greater growth and expansion or contracting if that's what's most appropriate and that's what's necessary. So be open. That's the key here. In fact, the theme of being open and being flexible and really Being willing to see things in a different way, experience new things, is a big one for the week ahead. The sun square to Uranus can be a time where you let go of something. Now, Pluto is a planet associated with letting go, not Uranus. But what Uranus does is it intensifies your need to get free. And when we have freedom, we are not attaching ourselves to the past or to our notions of a future that is out of our control. Freedom has so much to do with presence in this moment. And if you can find ways of being present in this moment and really being receptive to whatever is happening at this moment, then you can start coping with it in a way that actually promotes your present and future freedom. And I love that. Uranus is also a planet associated with humanity and liberation. And so this isn't a great time for conservatism. It's a great time for putting yourself out there, whether we're talking about in your personal life or in the world at large. On the 23rd, we have a lovely Venus sextile to Jupiter. 
I don't know, if you're trying to get get some, get out there and get some, this is a great transit. So Venus sextile to Jupiter can be an excellent time for dating, for having a romantic time with someone, investing in what you care about with a person, investing in a relationship in general. This can also be a really great time for looking at your finances and not just at the details of your finances, like, oh shit, I have to pay my taxes here or I have to like, you know, deal with this bill there. But looking at the big picture of how you are relating to your resources, are you allowing yourself to truly feel good about the abundance that you do have instead of fixating on the scarcity that you have? Are you able to think about a plan for your future? If you have a, you know, 401k or something like that through your company, have you looked at what it's invested in? You know, is that something that you actually want to start figuring out how to do or consulting with someone who knows how to do it? There's a lot of ways of using this transit and a good one, IMO, is figuring out how you want to play your role in the larger economic system. Now, finally, being a sextile to Jupiter is also pretty good for shopping. It's fun for, you know, getting out there and getting some cute. The only downside is you might buy a bunch of stuff that you don't actually want or need. So as always, shop with consideration for what you're buying, what you're supporting, and what you actually need. Because you don't need to junk up your life with a lovely transit like this. And that brings us to a new moon in Aquarius. That's happening on the 24th of January. It's at four degrees of Aquarius and 21 minutes. And this transit will be happening at 1.42 p.m. Pacific. So this particular new moon in Aquarius is not just a new moon in Aquarius. And I should backtrack to say, as always, a new moon occurs when the sun and moon are at the exact same degree and same minute of the same sign. And we generally have one new moon per sign per year. So this is our moment for a new moon in Aquarius. The sun and moon are meeting in Aquarius and they are squaring their ruling planet, Uranus. It's a pretty tight square. It's not exact. And so with this sun moon square to Uranus on this new moon, you can expect the unexpected. You can expect things again to be a bit upsetting or disruptive, which actually is amazing. I know it, it is uncomfortable. And depending on where, where and how it hits your chart, it might be really uncomfortable. It might be super inconvenient. But the reason why Uranus comes for us in our lives is to interrupt ruts and routines. It's to make sure that we are not so conventional or conservative that we are no longer being authentic and true to ourselves. It's to make sure that society reflects the needs of humanity. And so we need these disruptions. We need things to be a little up in the air because when things are uncertain is when we start looking around for options. When things are too static, when things are too predictable, we stop thinking creatively. We stop thinking, in some ways, dynamically. And so Uranus comes around and requires us to rethink things, to really question things. And that is super exciting, even if it's upsetting and even if it's inconvenient. So that's the downside of this transit in some ways. Now, Venus and Neptune are quite close to each other. It's not an exact conjunction, but they are conjunct uh, by transit in the sign of Pisces. And what this indicates is this reiteration of the theme of considering what you value and not being idealistic about what you value, but truly considering who and what you value and knowing that any upsets 
in your life at this time or in society at this time are an opportunity to realign with who and what you actually care about and to make sure that your actions and your intentions reflect what you value. And this is something, you know, I talk about a fair amount because it is a very, very common thing to not even think about, to not consider at all. When in life we forget to align with our values, with the small things and with the big things, what happens is years pass and you look at your life and you're like, I don't even know how I got here. And we don't know how we got here because when you don't check in, when you don't reassess and you don't give yourself permission to change your mind or change your course, to make sure that your life reflects who you want to be, then eventually life doesn't reflect who you want to be. That sucks. It's not fun. It's not exciting. Uh, it's not enlivening. And Uranus really gives us a sense of being alive. And I fucking love that. This particular new moon, especially on the heels of all this heavy, heavy stuff we've been going through, Capricorn, Cancer, oh my God, consequences, consequences. Now we can be in this moment of, but what is my truth here? What is authentic to me? What is the society I want to see around me? And how am I playing my part? What is the personal relationship I'm in? And what is, what is it that I've done to get here? And what inspires me to change? This is a really kind of unpredictable set of energies, which again, depending on your nature, may sound like really bad news or kind of exciting news. Be open. Don't draw your conclusions for a minute. In general, especially when it comes to Uranus, I like to say, give it 72 hours. Give it 72 hours to play itself out because you're unlikely to know during the transit itself. And when we talk about 72 hours, I mean 72 hours after the transit's over, which in this particular case means 72 hours after 1.42 p.m. Pacific time on the 24th of January. Now, another thing worth mentioning about this new moon is that Mars is forming a square to real close to that midpoint between the Venus and Neptune. And so, again, there's something in this new moon that's a nudge <laughs> that's going to stimulate us and not necessarily in the way that we want to be stimulated. What you want may or may not be in your best interest. You may want too much. You may want too little. I don't know. Be willing to question what you desire. Be willing to question how you're approaching what you desire. The activist, educator, and writer Brittany Packnett Cunningham says, perpetual outrage does not create change. And this is true, my friends. This is very true. The reality is that this period that we're in is outrageous. We are going through a lot. When we look at our personal lives, many of us are just going through so much growth and change. Some of it's really external. Some of it's really internal. When we look at climate and what's happening to the planet, when we look at politics, when we look, I mean, we can keep looking and looking and looking. There's just so much happening. And what I want to really acknowledge is that our emotions are valid and valuable and real. And also, they can't be where we begin and end. There has to be some sort of mobilization that reflects what we care about, that reflects our values. And so I want to encourage you to consider that with this new moon. This is an opening. Make no mistake, this new moon is an opening. If you're trying to do manifestation work, I would steer you away from manifesting physical things at this time. Manifest clarity. 
manifest support, manifest access to resources or a willingness to change. Don't try to call in anything too static or material at this time because of all this Uranian energy and even Mars's presence. We are likely to not fully be understanding the situation yet or not fully understanding our own motives, our own drives, our own needs. So be interested, be engaged. That is what this astrology wants from you. Now to further it on the 25th, we have a Mercury sextile to Mars. And this particular transit is really stimulating to the mind. It also can have you open your mouth and have things fall out of it without a lot of consideration. <laughs> so be careful because once you say a thing, once you press send, it's out there. It's out there. And then you have to deal with the consequences of it. A lot of the energy that's running this week, really all week long, is impulsive. And so you may be feeling over it. You may be feeling taxed. You may be feeling entitled. But know that whatever you put out there is yours to manage, my loves. Even if you're putting out nothing, if you're not engaging, that is participation. Whatever you do has consequences. So try to act in ways that reflect the kind of person you want to be. That's it. I know, I know it's not easy, but it is simple. So keep it simple. Now, my loves, that is the horoscope for this week. That's it. That was a lot. I feel like you did a good job. We did a good job. Also, hey, I just did a little book tour for my book that just came out a couple weeks ago called Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me, and How We All Get Along. And I have been so humbled and so touched by the support that I've gotten from so many of you online and in person. I went to Seattle and Los Angeles and Portland, and holy shit, it was lovely. I want to thank every single one of you who came out and were so kind, uh, who bought the book, who have written reviews. Yeah, thanks for your support. It's amazing. If you haven't yet bought Astrology for Real Relationships, I encourage you to buy it wherever books are sold, but whenever you can, support your local bookstore. Also, if you like the podcast, which I mean, if you're still listening to me, either you have got somewhere values or you're really enjoying it. So if you're still listening to this and you're enjoying the podcast, give us some stars, you know, write a review, do your damn thing. I'll talk to you next week, loves. Bye.